All right, episode 155 of the Hot Grits podcast. Mike Anthony joining me for a recap of the Masters and then a wild top four draft of NBA random dudes, the most loosely defined top four of all time. So let's get after it for 155th time, Hot Grits podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. But first, some sports. All right, here we go. Mike Anthony joining me now. We gotta, we gotta start with the recap. Um, I gotta throw a hand up and say that I 100% lost the Masters top four draft. Uh, fear not. I will throw the hand up. I will give Mike his flowers. He won, um, you know, and I didn't add up the numbers as is right on brand, Michael, but you took Rory, Morikawa, Spieth, Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um, Woods, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas for me didn't make the cut. Rory didn't make the cut. And then Scheffler, Spieth, Fitzpatrick pretty much canceled each other out. Two for you. And then Dustin Johnson for me, you won by, uh, by roughly $400,000. So congrats. No, oh, thank you. I mean, to, to your credit, I think you did more to lose it than I did to win it. Neither of us were particularly strong there. And I like that take by you, Mike. It really does have more to do with me. That's which, right. Which is almost always the case. Um, uh, so before we let's, – let's give a game plan here, um, which we will likely not stick to. Uh, Masters recap and just general takes – We'll see how long this takes us, but thoughts from the Masters this past weekend. And then we are going to, in honor of the NBA playoffs starting, and also in honor of Udonis Haslam retiring, uh, we are going to do a top four draft like never before. It's the most loosely defined top four draft of all time, I think, Mike. Um, and it's yeah. basically coolest NBA players or players you forgot were in the NBA. Uh, names that you'll remember that you forgot. Uh, no way to define it, but we're just going to list a bunch of names. I have a feeling they're going to come from the 90s and the 2000s for the most part. Uh, I don't think you're all that incorrect. So, 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 dude, what other podcasts, listen, people, be grateful. What other podcasts can you come to where you're going to transition from masters to forgotten players of the NBA in in the nineties, I mean, you can't get that anywhere else, Mike. It's like the reverse Jim Nance. You know, usually he starts with some senior who's going to make the bench on an NBA team that you'll never hear from again. Then he goes to Masters week after that. Now we just get it coming full circle, going the other way around. The reverse Jim Nance. Jim Nance will come up in just a few moments. I guess the reverse Jim Nance would be, um, hello, hello, douchebags, <laughs> hello enemies. Um, all right, I have master's takes written down, Mike. I just, I'll just list off two or three. 
and then just see what you go with. How about that? Sure, that works for me. Okay, I have the word boring at the top. I have uh, bullet point number two, tree gate. <laughs> uh, bullet point number three, weather sucks. Uh, bullet point number four, so does Phil. Um, any of that stand out for you? Um, I would nix boring. It, it was definitely exciting for a little bit if you tuned in at the right time on Sunday. Well, if you tuned in, that's part of the thing. It's like Easter weekend. We got tea times, third rounds finishing. You're with aunts and uncles and cousins who, who don't watch golf all year. And they want to know, you know, what did Tiger do? When does he start? So well, see, when now is the round? You got to explain everything. It's a mess. You're just projecting your problems. You know, I took care of that. I alienated all of my loved ones around me and told them that I was under no circumstances to be disturbed at all. <laughs> Mike, let me ask you something. What do you think this podcast is for? <laughs> it's to project my problems. That's what that's what we're here for, okay? And if you want to advance from intern status, you're gonna have to oblige. And I just I told my wife on Saturday, I'm like, well, you were going to let me watch Masters most of today, but they called it off about 30 seconds after I tuned in. The good news is they're ramping it back up at 8 a.m., so I'm just going to be unavailable to you or our children for the entirety of the day. It just felt like I was waiting for like something crazy to happen. And like, if I ask you right now two questions, give me a letter grade, and I'll give you mine, C-plus overall Masters. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, what's the moment of the tournament? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't give it too much better than a B minus just because you're right. There was no huge back nine charge. There was no one, you know, chunking a few of them in a race creek to to lose the tournament. But you know what? I, I give it credit. No hole in get, ones at number 16, too. Like there wasn't even a scare, it felt like. Yeah. But I, I view it more in the macro terms of – uh you know, the Masters, ever the traditional bunch, they didn't want to end that thing on Monday. And I think they did as well as they could to not let it get too out of control Friday or Saturday while getting all the holes in. Um, and honestly, from where we sat at about 2 p.m. on Friday afternoon, I didn't think there was going to be anything to the Masters weekend. It looked like Kepka could just, you know, slip on a coat and get out of town before the rain hit. So... I give it a little credit. There was some drama after that, obviously, with him falling out and Rom putting on a show. So not the greatest yeah. match, long shot, but better than I thought we'd have about, oh, I don't know, 27 holes into it. Well, okay, so if I told you that, you know, arguably the greatest player on the PGA Tour, John Rom, is going to go up against arguably the greatest player on the Lyft Tour, mano a mano, final round, Sunday at the Masters, it just would have – it just didn't feel like all that like live versus PGA. We just didn't like, it wasn't the right two guys, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, maybe if you had had someone like a Rory, who's been the most outspoken person or even like Lip a nice guy versus Reed, like speed versus Reed would have been right. electric. You're right. That, that would have been way better for the cameras, but I, I'm pretty sure that the, the Green Jackets and Augusta are just fine with how it played out. You know that they wanted the PGA probably to win out over the Live Tour, but they also were not going to let anything get in the way of their tradition and decorum. So they're probably giving fist bumps under the table that it turned out the way it did, and especially because it was two 
more understated guys that let their play do the talking that wasn't so much about what they had to say about stuff off the course. Right. Um, stuff off the course. Jim Nance had a doozy. I'm going to clip this in here, Mike. I don't know if you heard this, uh, but this was great from Jim Nance on Sunday with Brooks Kepka referencing uh, CW. Kepka had no choice but to lay up. And there he is right on the CW, the crosswalk. So even old Jimmy Nance, Mike, getting in the game, uh, quickly corrected himself, which is, you know, I, I think an upper class move to, to get your dig in and then correct it. But you got, I just wonder, like, where was Jim Nance last week, the week before, earlier, earlier in Masters week when, when, it, when that came to him? You know, if a live tour golfer has their ball on the crosswalk, it's got to be a CW. I mean, that's not Jim Nance. That's someone in the production truck feeding him that line. Yeah, and who is that guy? That that's I, the guy that we want to talk know. to. It's it's either someone that Jim Nance thinks is hilarious or who he hates because that uh that, that's a ballsy one to fire off there at Augusta of all places. We gotta reference Tiger Woods here, Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do the Tiger Woods thing where it's like, oh, like the weather was bad, even though I could do that. Um, oh, he had to wake up at 2.30 a.m. Because of, because of the early start, stop, start, stop, start. I mean, he played like shit. But what I will say, that with Phil Mickelson, that scum of the earth scumbag, <laughs> when he finished that high up, it just made me think again that there is a chance. Forget about either one ever winning a major again. We could still someday see Tiger versus Phil in a major on a Sunday, whether it's for a hundredth place or first place, that could still happen, and that would do numbies. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing you have to worry about right now is all the talk about restricting the uh, the ability of the equipment of the balls of the clubs. Um, that that's probably gonna those two guys for as hurt as they are, for as old as they are, they're still in much better shape uh, than any version of a forty five or a fifty year old that either of us is ever going to be. So. Um, no, yeah, I think but, I'm, but but like okay, so if Rom and Kepka were going mano a mano on Sunday, but let's say Tiger was three under and Phil was two under, and they're paired together on Sunday, the Masters ratings would skyrocket. Oh, absolutely! Not because of the leaders, but because of the guys in seventeenth and eighteenth place who have no chance at winning. No, I, I agree. Um, people are always going to tune in for the names, and you, you know, I think that. Uh, over the last really decade when Tiger's kind of taken a backseat, you've never heard anyone come out and say anything about the coverage he gets, even when he's threatening to miss a cut or going off in one of the first three or four groupings on a Sunday at a major. Uh, you, you never hear a bad word about it because all these purses that you're seeing now, PGA Tour, Live Tour, whatever, it's because of what he did for the game. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, of course, if you ask Phil, that scum of the earth – He'll tell you that it's because of Liv that forced the PGA Tour's hand. But, I mean, that's just not true because over a decade plus, the purses have been rapidly growing. And these names like Rory, JT, Spieth, Kepka, they all came from Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Like, in one way or another. You know, I guess that was kind of sus. They didn't come from him. 
You know what I mean? Well, but no, he created the prototype for the guys that were inevitably going to take his place one day. Yeah. You know, I, I believe I've said it on this podcast before. When when Tiger first broke into the game, even the best golfers in the world were still kind of, you know, hit maybe 50 balls on the range, go out and shoot my 70, uh, maybe get a couple putts in if I wasn't feeling great, and then we're going to do five shots at the bar, eat a steak, and go to bed. And all of a sudden you got Tiger coming in. He's in the gym at 5 a.m. He's on the range at 6 a.m. He's on the course blowing the doors off everybody. Then he goes to the range and hits a thousand more balls and is back in the gym when everybody else is getting like wheelbarrowed back up to their room for the night. Now you don't have people doing that. I mean, you still have some guys that can party with the best of them. I, I do stumble upon Instagram every once in a while, but these guys are committed to just being in the best shape they can be in at all times. And, you know, Tiger kind of created the prototype for exactly what was going to be too much for him to overcome at this point of his career. I asked Spencer this, I think after last year's Masters or maybe the Masters before, do you think Tiger Woods will ever, if he's alive at that time, knock on wood, do you think he'll ever be alongside like, do you think he'll be like Jack Nicholas and Gary Player, where he's an old bag hitting the ball like 170 yards to start the Masters, like 25 years from now? Oh, man. It I just mean, doesn't seem like he would do that. The, the only I, – I get exactly where you're coming from. Like, he's got too much pride to duff one off a tee or not even make it into the fairway, like get it over the the first dip there in the first fairway. But I also think that – part of his legacy is how much he's grown the game. And you hear that with how they introduced Jack Nicholas now, like ambassador to the game. And I, I think that they'll find a way to include him. And if some of that means that he's got too much pride to show off anything, but a 300 yard drive, then they'll find a way to work him in. So, yeah, I mean, like they're going to invite him, obviously. I just don't know if he's going to, especially if his, this is very presumptuous, especially if his son is teeing it up later that morning. You know what I mean? If we're talking about, 20 years from now. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. Too. It just doesn't seem like he would do that. And plus, he's never going to forget. Like, I'm never going to forget the way they scorned him, like publicly shamed him, uh, you know, after all the stuff came out in, what was it, 2000? Would have been 2008, 2009. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I believe Thanksgiving 2009 was the infamous uh, uh, Thanksgiving pitching wedge incident or nine iron. I forget what it was. Right. And, yeah. And it was a curvy driveway. Uh, not a lot of street lights. Again, not Tiger's fault. Weather. Okay. Let's pause for a second and talk about Savannah's number one real estate agent, John Carr. John Carr Real Estate with Seaport Real Estate in Savannah is a sponsor here on the Hot Grits podcast. And he is your guy if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area. Call him or text him today, 912-228-0916, 912-228-0916, or find John Carr on Facebook if you want to learn more about the real estate market in the area, what your options are. If you want to buy or sell, John can help you out. He's a Savannah native, knows the area like the back of his hand, and he's won like a thousand awards for being such a good real estate agent. Uh, if there was a, a Hot Grits Podcast Real Estate Agent of the Year, John Carr would be three-time champ of that award. So call him, text him today, tell him we sent you, 
0916. Any Ben Carr takes? I mean, he finished second, the kid from Georgia Southern, five over. Uh, as Vern Lundquist called him, young Sam Bennett uh, <laughs> put on a show, just like he did last summer against Carr. I mean, Carr played out of his mind at the USAM, and Bennett was just – I mean, that kid's a stick, dude. He is, and um, you know, I, I saw some people get on him for the comments that he made, saying he was being a little bit too confident, maybe even arrogant. But you know what? If I was eight under through two rounds at Augusta, what are you what are you going to do? You made the weekend. You were a guaranteed low amateur. What else are you going to do other than keep on believing in yourself? And yeah, it didn't last for all seventy-two holes, but he still made a good showing of it. Um, you know, who knows? He he can't technically collect anything because he's an amateur, but in the uh, days of NIL, I'm sure that someone's going to figure out what place he finished in, see what he should have won, and maybe uh, someone at uh, uh, Texas a and I mean, it's not like they're short on money. He can just go hit up Jimbo for some cash. Yeah, that's true. But as, as far as Ben Carr goes, though, I think, uh, I think he did himself and the Georgia Southern Golf Program proud. You know, 74, 75, a lot of Really good players do a lot worse than that over two rounds at Augusta. And if you followed it every shot of the way like I did, he really did not play bad shots. He just no, he didn't, dude. He didn't. He hit fairways. He hit greens. But those greens are so tough at Augusta. And he he had so many, you know, 12-footers, 15-footers for birdie that the speed was right and just an inch off one way or the other. And um, I think again, I think, dude, excuses, I think, but that's that's the difference. Bennett made a lot of twenty footers uh, with the same quality tee shots and approach shots, and Carr didn't. But if your car, like again, you lost by one hole in match play to Sam Bennett, you just played the same tournament, the same course as him. I mean, you didn't play all four rounds, but and, and you're not a thousand strokes back. So going into the U.S. Open, which. Ben Carr will be in uh, yep. in Los Angeles, I believe. Yeah, I've uh, I've checked with my uh, corporate overlords. I don't know about you. Are you, are you getting all expense paid out to Beverly Hills uh, to go out there? Or? No, dude. Maybe they'll spring for um, PGA Tour Live or ESPN Plus. <laughs> right, right. Can I get a monthly payment? Yeah, I'll get that expensed off in like 2025, <laughs> probably. Um, it's don't feel bad for me. It's, I'm fine. Um. All right. Well, anything else from the Masters? No. I mean, I, I know you're probably a little bit more down on it than I am, and I'm not super so jazzed. You gave it B minus. The, right? the weather was a downer. What can you say? Yeah, and Phil too. Phil just sucks. He's like Kyrie, bro. He just sucks the life out of everything. He just yeah. sucks, dude. He stinks. Yeah. That's an unbiased opinion. He's He's like the fun drunk uncle that finally got a little too drunk. And crashed a car in the middle of Thanksgiving. So now it's like, you can't be fun anymore. All right. Well, in a segue to end all segues, how about cool forgotten NBA players? The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street. Lady and Sons, you guys probably know the name. Paula Dean, Jamie Dean. Uh, They have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9, Monday through Thursday, and then 11 to 10 on Friday and Saturdays. 
is the number for Lady and Sons. Find them on Facebook and ladyandsons.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself. Uh, Top four draft of probably the longest top four draft name ever. Top four draft of NBA players who forgot played in the NBA, played too long in the NBA, uh, somehow survived in the NBA, were cool uh, names you forgot. Basically anything under the sun, just cool names and names that make us laugh or make us pissed off. Um, pretty much anything under the sun, Michael. And we're doing this in honor of Udonis Haslam, who has now played 20 plus years in the NBA um, while averaging less than five points over <laughs> over his final nine years, which is, he which is, is- impossible. He, he's turned himself into a far less talented Charles Oakley with way better public relations. I mean, you would think he's the greatest. Whatever this fucking list is, Mike, Udonis Haslam, is, like, he, you can't draft him, right? He's the well, greatest. That, he's the GOAT. Yes. He, he's too good at being bad. He's too good at being there. Yeah. But, it wasn't like a nice. It's not like he was a nice guy. I mean, he was like a good guy, like a glue guy, but he wasn't like a. Uh, you know, he wasn't like a a priest out there. Like he would knock some dudes down. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's fear. He's gotten in fights with his own team this year. God, what a gig, dude! Just he's jawing a Jimmy Butler timeout. Well, what are they going to do? Take his minutes away? I mean, he doesn't play. He hasn't played <laughs> since since the iPhone came out. I, I think that I've done myself justice. I've gotten I've got my own system. I know you 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 were texting me beforehand. You've hey, got like. Fine. Five different categories and subsets of lists. So I feel like you're going to be fine no matter what. I'd like to go with – I really searched long and hard, deep in, deep in my soul to find guys. That's what who, she said. Exactly. To, to find some guys that – I'll just tell you right now. My criteria was it's a guy that you've heard of. Maybe the name's a little funny and heartwarming. And maybe they were good, but for no more than one, maybe two years – and also a lot of them have the trend of after long after they were a bust, they probably had a contract that was too expensive to give up and play for three more years anyways. Okay. Yeah. So once again, just not a very succinct criteria there. Just the a most undefinable list ever. <laughs> and and like, like we said, dude, this will entertain nobody but us. But can I tell you, this might have been the most fun I've ever had, the 20 minutes that I spent googling this kind of stuff <laughs> I, this, I found so many names that just made me like oh this fucking guy this list is like the supreme court's definition on lewd and lascivious behavior you, you'll know it when you see it hmm i feel like you want me to nibble on that but i won't well i mean that was like the actual definition that they came up with larry flint had to oh the pornography the case What's is that, that what you're saying? Like pornography, like you know it. Yeah, was yeah. Good. It was the, the Supreme Court ruled that you know you'll know it when you see it. In terms okay, of so next but week, these guys, you'll you'll just know these guys when you hear their names. It's like, yeah, that's one of those guys. Next week, a solo top four featuring only Mike Anthony and a solo act top four Supreme Court cases of all time. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's your assignment, Mike. I've got a lot of hard thoughts about the Teapot Dome scandal. Well, hard, soft, flaccid, whatever. Top four cases next week. I need them from you. 
<laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to go number one overall here. This is one of those times where I kind of wish I didn't have the number one overall pick, which makes no sense, you know? But I just would like to see where your head's at, that crazy head of yours with that crazy memory. You never know where I'm going. Um, again, my criteria will just be guy – Like, the, I think the main criteria for both of us, Mike, that we can agree on, mm-hmm. it has to be a name that you've heard of. Yes. But you just forgot about him. Yes. Or you hated him or loved him. Some of them might have had more hype. Some of them might have just – Showed up out of nowhere and then been gone just as quick. Let me count up how many names I have real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have 22 names written down. I, I got like eight. I'm confident. <laughs> Man, what a loser I am. Um, all right. Give me cool players. So Udonis Haslam draft, the players you forgot about. I'll go Kwame Brown. 1-1. One, one. Uh, Kwame Brown is a guy who has never been considered an overdraft, and I don't think he'll be considered an overdraft here. Here's the thing about Kwame Brown. Everyone knows that name because he's, oh, Kwame Brown. He's an absolute cancer, like the old onion sports dome, which I might clip in here (laughs) if we have it. Let's hit you with some basketball. In the meantime, lots of nervous NBA general managers out there because the 2011 Kwame Brown lottery is tonight, which will determine who is saddled with Kwame's perennially disappointing numbers and bad attitude next year. Of course, the Bobcats lost last year, forcing them to waste a roster spot that could have been used on a player who doesn't regard the game of basketball as beneath contempt. The NBA's bottom nine teams represented here tonight. And just moments ago, the deputy commissioner announced the final three teams of the running for Kwame. The Kings. Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. Philadelphia 76ers. And the 76ers. Brutal news for those three teams. Wouldn't be surprised if the loser just folds up the franchise. You're going to get torpedoed either way. Don't give Kwame the satisfaction. No doubt. Right now, they're ready to announce which NBA team will be the loser of this year's Kwame Brown lottery. Our OSN team is standing by live. They're waiting on us, so let's go. Welcome back. Two of these three teams will walk away winners tonight. The other will be burdened with human garbage, Kwame Brown. Without further ado, in the 2011-2012 season, Kwame Brown will be playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Brutal news for the Wolves. Minnesota understandably devastated. All right, Nicole Weaver's down on the floor for some reaction. Let's go to her now. Thanks, Mark. Doug, you just found out your team will be signing Kwame Brown this offseason. It comes a year after you lost the Darko Milicek $20 million contract lottery. Is- Darko is a zero, but Kwame Brown is an absolute cancer. Well, what are you going to say to Kwame when he joins the team? I wouldn't speak to Kwame Brown to spit on him. Mm-hmm. He is a stain on the Timberwolves franchise that will never come clean. I mean, the system is broken. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Mark and Alex, there you go. Kwame Brown takes his rape accusation, disorderly conduct arrest, and idiot face with him to Minnesota. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, Midwesterners, make sure to tell each other, I love you. Wherever there is Kwame, there is an increase in suicides. That is a fact. You hate to have to choose between death and Kwame. Truth. Mm -hmm. All right. Kwame Brown played over a decade in the league, made millions and millions of dollars. Somehow, and I and, believe he was the first high school player to go one-one. Ooh, what about KG? Uh, he went first round. I don't think he was first overall. 
What about I Co- could be wrong, but I think Kwame was the first high schooler to go one-one. Wow, Glen Academy's finest. Um, also, like he was Kwame Brown was so he was such a bust, at least in the way he was viewed, that he stained the legacy of Michael Jordan in basketball, which is <laughs> which is that's tough to do. I mean, gambling didn't do it. Allegedly, possibly, maybe, never been proven. Having to do with your father's murder. Alleged. That didn't do it. Uh, going to baseball because of gambling, being suspended, that didn't do it for Mike. But Kwame Brown did it, bro. People will always remember that Mike drafted Kwame Brown. That's my one one. One of the one of the sadder stories I've ever heard about how young guys getting money too quick can really affect them is from Kwame Brown. Yeah, dude. And then his, he had uh, sort of a come up during COVID where he just started going after people online. I think it was him and Gilbert Arenas, maybe. Oh, God. Well, you don't want Gilbert after you. Bro, Agent here's Zero the thing. Kwame Brown kind of scared me, too. I was like, this guy is way yeah. better at this than he was at basketball. I, I heard a story about his second year in the league where he was already getting the whole, you know, bust title over his head. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was a little bit hurt and he wasn't performing. And he was really down. I mean, hell, at that time, he would have been, what, 19 years old? And so one day he didn't show up to practice, and one of the veterans went to, like, the hotel or apartment, condo, whatever he was living at, and found him just, like, sitting on his bed crying. I'm not meaning to kick the guy, although, like you said, he's got millions of dollars. Well, you just kicked Mike. You just kicked the shit out of him. Well, but, but the reason why is sad, and it has nothing to do with him being a bust or not, he was a 19-year-old kid worried about everybody saying how bad he was doing and not wanting to disappoint everybody. And they had a dress code even for practice. And he was out of clean, unwrinkled suits or whatever. And because he was so young and didn't have any money before, he just did not know the concept of, like, a dry cleaner or something. What a loser. So he what had, you know, probably twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of suits that were wrinkled hanging around on the floor and he just literally didn't know how to get himself dressed, which I feel for him because he was trying to just not do anything wrong. And instead you end up doing something that just proves how far over your head you were. Mike, you're in a safe space here. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest about Kwame Brown? Well, no, it just, it was a sad story at the moment. Okay. For me, that's a funniest shit story. Uh, Oh, it can be a name that makes me laugh. And also, this is like, what would Udonis Haslam do if he heard that story? If he heard you tell that story right now? Oh, he probably would have, like, grabbed him, carried him downstairs, thrown him in a, a men's warehouse, and told him to get a new suit. Yeah. And then went out that night and played. Well, Udonis wouldn't have gone out that night and played, but he would have been. The real beat is the men's warehouse, I think, is out of business, but UD would probably, like, yell them back into business for a day. <laughs> Men's Warehouse, Tony Kornheiser has always looked like the guy from Men's Warehouse. What's your uh, number two overall pick here, Mike? First, one. I'm going to go with – I'll see your number one, number one with another number one, number one. Okay. Michael Olawakandi. Oh, it's, it's on my list. I mean, everyone's on my list. He was a 1-1. And, you know, bus is one thing, but that's not what was really impressing me. What made the list for me was that not only was he an unabashed bust – but he lasted 10 seasons, and somehow the only meaningful NBA award that I can dig up on his entire profile 
is that he managed to pull down an all-rookie second team. <laughs> like, is that, that? that would be like someone being proud of uh, that'd be like someone being proud of an honorable mention. Like, but that's what I'm saying. That is that. the participation trophy for a multimillionaire first overall pick. Yeah, that's like the uh, Nickelodeon Kids Choice like, Awards. That's David Stern saving face for the rest of his league at the time, saying you've <laughs> got to give this guy a spot on one of the teams. Uh, you won, you won the iHeartRadio Podcast of the Year. Uh, I think uh, Oleg Camby. I think, yeah, dude, he might be one of the best players on my list. So I'm gonna go with a, I'm gonna go with a good player here. Okay. Like Kwame Brown, I think. Average to below average NBA player, but certainly not like a bad player that you can't understand why he was in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with another good player here. No, I'm going to save him. I'm going to go with a, with a shitty player who I'll never understand how Sasha Vujicic was in the National Basketball Association. He was just so bad. Uh, he was Grayson Allen before Grayson Allen knew what Grayson Allen was. Um, and that's a real thing. That's a scientific fact. But <laughs> Sasha Vujicic didn't know he was Grayson Allen. Um, that just – and an A-plus NBA name too. Yeah. Well, I got some A-pluses on here, Mike. I'm going to give Sasha Vujicic – he's top tier for sure, but I got one that will knock your socks off if you don't take yeah. it. So I got uh, Kwame Brown, Sasha Vujicic um, covering all sides here. Got an American, got a foreigner, got a white guy, got a black guy. Um, so I'm safe here, Mike. You better be careful. All right. I'm going to go with a guy who uh, I'm pretty sure could have played his entire career without any non-diehard NBA fan ever knowing who he was, mm. save for the fact that for about two and a half games in an NBA Finals, he was maybe the second or third most talked about player. I know it. I'm going Matthew Delavadova. Deli time. It's peanut butter deli time. Peanut butter deli time. Due yeah. to, I believe, half of the city of Cleveland dying in between the Eastern semis and the NBA finals, it was LeBron and Delavadova trying. That I think that somehow went like six games too. Uh, yeah, I think so. And and obviously, like nobody knew. You would you would have like throughout that series because the NBA series lasts so long. You would have the stories pop up like, oh no, he was a, we always knew he like he was a legend in high school. He mm-hmm. he was a, a gym rat here. Like that's why we signed him to the G League ten day contract. It's like, dude, he wasn't good. He somehow was good for like six to ten days, and he's made a legitimate career off of it. Congrats to yeah. Delhi. Now that NBA Finals was, I believe, in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. So I get the ones confused with. Well, well I'm sta- I think I'm 2014 was when the three one deficit. Is that right? I believe that. Well, the decision was 2010. So LeBron was there 2010, 11, 12, 13 in Miami. Not one. So it would have been 2014. Okay, 2014, yeah. 15, I believe, is that season. And then he found himself back on the Bucks, which is where Matthew Della Della Vadova always belonged. Was in Milwaukee. You know? But that, that was actually going to be my question. What really put him over the top for my list? You're you're the NBA head out of the two of us. Would you care to guess what Matthew Delavadova is doing right now? Like, okay, he's not he's not in the league, right? Is he? Oh come on, is he on a bench somewhere? 
He uh, he played 32 games this year. Oh Christ, dude! What For a great sure. Second seeded Sacramento Kings. See, for all you kids out there, don't ever think any, anything is impossible. If Delaware, <laughs> I mean, 32 games is that's Udonis Haslam from 2012 to right now. That's the total one, amount of games. One of the most useless players of the last decade and a half went on to the most useless team of the last two and a half decades, and somehow they're a match made in heaven. Now the Kings are going to probably play for a Western Conference championship. Yeah, it's a great pick. Um, oh, Vladi Divac is rolling over in his grave. Hey, you can't really step on picks, Mike. Sorry. You can't Sorry. step on picks, man. Vladi Divac is way too good for. Uh, That's not true, dude. I have pick. a good. I have a separate list, dude. Delhi was on my white players list. He was also on the bad players list. <laughs> Divac made an appearance on two lists: white players list, good players list. <laughs> well, that's why you have twenty-two of them, man. Um, debt left shrimp. Here in the third, fifth overall, um, the guy that played for the Pacers and famously is known because of Parks and Rec and pretty much That's nothing else. exactly where I know him from and nowhere else. Right. And, and is, so now is this Ralph is a man him to dunk in a yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a man that has taken a small-time cameo in a solid, you know, sitcom or solid TV series, but not Shrek was great. Yeah. Yeah. But not, I don't think it's, it's on all timer. No. Yeah. But you know, he's in a few episodes and he's now found himself on probably the greatest list that he's ever appeared on that left shrimp here in the uh, third round, fifth overall. That's three straight white guys. Mike, we gotta be careful. Uh, I, I got, I, so, I got so many white guys. It's not even funny. You know, uh, I'm not going to help the uh, the melanin count here with my next pick. It's fine. It's fine. But I, I do have I do have more on my list that I'll get to. Yeah, we got. It will not be a, my, my draft class will not be a whiteout, but I've got my I've got my theory. I've always got my structure that I like to stick with. I'm going right with it. Uh, let's see. We did a one one guy in all of candy. We had a totally unheard of guy that somehow got relevant in Delavidova. Now I'm going with guy who was overdrafted. Everybody knew it, except for the highly paid NBA executives. Give me Jimmer for debt. Oh, another guy off my white guy list. Six um, seasons that guy lasted. Jimmer for debt. Why did Jimmer for debt get drafted, dude? You he, know. Because he was a walking bucket, pal. Have you yeah. looked up what he what he's Cause doing? Because he, he hit the threes, right? Yeah. In yeah. six seasons, how many three pointers did he hit? That's not fair, Mike. Sacramento is going through some things. He hit 193 in six seasons. He hit 124 in his senior season alone at BYU. Okay, let me tell you something about why they call him the Mormon Megalodon. Because he went over to Shanghai, pal, and was a standout for the Shanghai Sharks for years and years. Brought a title to Shanghai, mind you. Yao Ming owns that team. They call him the Mormon Megalodon. So put some respect on Jimmer for that. But I'm pretty sure the Latter Day Saints looked down on it. Megalodon is a uh, is a shark, and they're the Shanghai Sharks. He's the oh one yeah, it's one of those prehistoric things that pops up on sci-fi from time to time, right? One of the yeah, one of those things that's always been there, like Jimmer for Jay. But that's a great pick there. Like I would love to take Vladi Divac here. You fucked me on that. <laughs> um, it's fine. I'm not mad. I'm gonna take a good player. I can't wait for my honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to take Brandon Roy 
Brandon Roy was poised to be a legitimate NBA superstar. And when people talk about this kind of player, the players that come up are Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway will come up sometimes, guys that were basically can't miss, that literally their bodies just fell apart. Uh, But Brandon Roy was going to lift Portland to where Damian Lillard eventually lifted them for at least a time. Um, and then it just ended so quickly. But people will likely not remember Brandon Roy's name for a long time. So I'm going to take him here with my final pick, seventh overall in the fourth round, Brandon Roy. See, I like that pick. That was one of the things that I put into my uh, consideration was I did not count injuries against guys. Um, you know, if your career got cut short due to injury, I did not put you on my list because there are a couple that could fit in there. Uh, but let's see. I'm down to my last pick here, right? Uh, yeah, Mr. Irrelevant, eighth overall. All right. So I'm starting to Jimmer, formulate my uh, honorable mention list. With Jimmer, you know, that was a guy that almost everyone was like, this probably isn't going to last, and then it didn't. But I'm going to go against that line of thinking. And for my final pick, I'm taking a guy who was an absolute unit of a human being who had absolutely no business – being as crappy as he was and yet somehow still hanging around for like 10 years and four different teams, all of whom sucked. And he's got a great name that you'll remember, even though you forgot that you remembered him until just now. I am going with Hashim Thabit. Hashim Thabit. It's a great pick there, dude. You got some size on the board. 7-3, Averaged 2.2 points and 2.7 rebounds for his career. I, I defy you to put Hashim Tabit and Roy Hibbert in the same room, and you tell me which one's which. Yeah. Because they're just Georgetown big guys who were... Eh, eh. Hashim Tabit, that's, a, that's an excellent pick there, dude. That was my biggest, best, deepest pool. Okay. Um, so here's how we... <laughs> I don't even know how to approach... All these names I have. I've put together a quick um, starting five of white guys who you <laughs> forgot about. Um, and then I have uh, guys that were really, really good that you forgot about as well. I, I like this. I think that since you're the knowledgeable guy, you can fill that list. And I'm going to challenge myself to see if I can add one more at the end of your list. A six man. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. At the one. Starting here. Give me Steve Blake at the one. Former Maryland Terp, great. Played some minutes for the Clippers. Hung around the league for a little bit. Um, it doesn't get wider than Steve Blake as a name. Um, so just a staple in my lineup. Glue guy in the locker room. Uh, buzz cut. Had the, um, had the cotton shirt under the jersey that was looked like it had been, um, like he just took scissors to the sleeves. He didn't buy a cutoff. He just oh yeah no he, underneath. Well, I mean... You remember he uh, he was in college right around the time of uh, where we were doing everything in our white tee, and for some reason that meant that it had to be three or four times the size that you usually wear. You'll also remember that anyone that looked re- remotely like Steve Blake from the age of six to sixty, anywhere on a basketball court, anywhere in America, you became the professor from the and one mixtape tour. Uh, yeah, that is true. And professors go out there crossing people up. Of course, dude. I don't want to live in a world where he's not. 
Ooh, that's another good one I forgot about. Rafer Alston, skip to my Lou. <laughs> Rafer Alston, dude. Oh, no, Sebastian Telfair? Oh, he was on my list. I could go forever. All right, let's get back to my starting white five, though. Um, at the shooting guard, give me Peja Stojakovic here. At the two, uh, those King teams were sick. I did not know if Mike Bibby is white or black. I still don't really know that. So I was scared <laughs> to put him on that list. Vladi Divac, who you've already you know, crushed in this draft, uh, was also on those Kings teams. Really, really good Kings teams. Cool Kings teams, but not necessarily good when it came to the playoffs. Um, yeah, Peja Stojakovic was a real one. He was Kyle Korver before Kyle Korver knew he was Kyle Korver. Um, at the three, Hito Turkoglu. Hito Turkoglu, actually, Mike, See, I think Peja and Turkoglu might be too good for this list. No, but, yeah, but, like, when is the last time that Hito Turkoglu came up in your mind? Okay, well, then. Without this, he may have never come up in your mind for the rest of your life. Right? I mean, I see no future endeavors where Turkoglu is going to be. You talking talking Steve Blake anytime soon? C. Blake was. I'm not gonna lie. C. Blake was gonna be my sixth man if you didn't say him. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I've got another in the chamber. At the four, I need a stretch four, Mike. The game has changed. We need a stretch four. This is a guy that was way ahead of his time. I argue a snub on the NBA's all-time top 75 players list. Brian Scalabrini here, White Mamba. White Mamba. At the four, um, just just tragically underrated in his career. Some of the best YouTube clips of him just destroying people. Yeah, dude, he would just go around stealing souls at careers. <laughs> so many kids went home crying from the YMCA because of Brian Scalabrini. And he takes so much pleasure in it. Yeah, you know how some guys want to like teach the game and grow the game, the next generation? He's trying to rip the game from the kids' hands. And I love that about him. Uh, Mike, I need a center, and I'll let you help me here. Obviously, Vadi Divac, as we've been over, you took him, you stepped on him. Uh, a white center, I'm, I'm stuck between Zedrunas Ogalskis and Zaza Pashulia. Uh, uh, a second Z. System overload. Who do you like? Uh, I'm going to go Zedrunas. Okay, give me Zaza. Here, I'm just kidding. Give me Zadrunas Ogalskis. <laughs> Zadrunas Ogalskis is my five. Um, six man, Mike, if you want it. Uh, and then I'll just rattle off lists and, and, and we'll put people out of their misery and end this up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, like you said, uh, we're going for today's game with your stretch four and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to need probably, if we get in the weeds, we're going to need a big shot at the end, right? Probably a three. Someone open on the wing, curled off the screen. Give me Andre Kirilenko. Ooh, AK-47. Before right that, yeah, before that was uh, not, you know. Canceled, probably. Well, you know what the sad fact is, Mike, not to get political here, is that it's actually still one of the only things that's not canceled. It, True. It's guns, yeah. For some, yeah, for some fucking reason. I, I mean, the, the backup to that would have been maybe a John Paxson if you need the, the shot. And- yeah, but Pax was like... If you played a, like Steve Kerr, he's ineligible. He's just you, you're not going to forget him because you can't forget Jordan and the '90s Bulls. Yeah, and my and my other throw in for a, a white guy center on a good team, good player, maybe too good for the list. Uh, Mark Eaton. 
Yeah, probably too good. Good white guy name, though. Uh, Brad Miller, great white guy name. I mean, you get double white guy points for playing in uh, Utah, which, you know, Kirilenko gets that, too. Yeah, what are the whites? It's it's Utah, Indiana, Milwaukee. What are the what are the other whitest places you could play? Uh, Just by field. Minnesota, maybe. Minnesota feels white. Hmm. I mean, other than LeBron James, Cleveland's greatest player is Craig Elo. Craig Elo, that's a name. Orlando Magic, they could be white guys. Uh, it's tough. That's a that's a different top four. Um, let's see. Redick was hitting a bunch of threes for the Magic. Greatest player. Um, I think arguably the this is not a bit here, Mike. The greatest player that will never be in anybody's top ten, Joe Johnson. Anytime someone good. like he was great, Mike. He's at, like in a top fifteen of nearly every career list there is in the NBA. He, he was yeah, he was uh, a less admired, less recognized Al Horford. Okay. Um. I mean, different skill set, but the the same type of Al Horford. What about Al Jefferson? <laughs> Al Jefferson, big man from high school, came over in the Garnett trade. People forget about Al Jefferson. Um, people also forgot about James Posey, another Celtic. People forgot about the Asian guy that was supposed to be the next Yao Ming. His name was Yi Jin Lan. He was a seven-footer that came over in like the early 2000s. Uh, he was a bust. They forgot about him, Mike. Let's see. You've exhausted almost everyone on my list. Did I had another about Jason Derek Coleman, who's too good to be on this list. Who was your name? Derek Coleman. Yeah, too good. Jason Terry, too, too good to be on the list. He actually made an all-star team or two, but he was a bust as a 1-1. The other one that I, I swear I put stats – you know me. I don't know anything about the NBA, but I've had back in stats because I do my research. I try. But there was one name that was just the most random, oh, this guy's in in a game where all three stars are sitting out for, you know, uh, load management. I don't know why. The stats back it up, though, around forever, never very good. Jamal McGlure. Oh, boy. Just the most random guy that, oh, he's in a game. Like, Jamal McGlure could have popped up on any team in 2013, you'd have been like, oh, okay, I guess he's just there now. Yeah, yeah. Every team had a Jamal McClure, but there was only one of them, which is tough to pull off. <laughs> uh, did you forget about Sheldon Williams? I did not forget about the landlord. Did you Did you forget about Jason Terry? Uh, no, I actually uh, got to dribble around on a court with Jason Terry back in high school. We had some, I don't know, something for high school. We got to get to a Hawks game and uh, launch up a couple threes. Jason Terry was out there hanging out. That's awesome. So you got to shoot hoops with Jason Terry and share a nice cry with um, Kwame Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's a mutual long-distance cry with Kwame Brown. We're just kindred spirits. Huh. (laughs) I'll tell you one name that popped up that was probably like best guys that get forgotten – who are too talented to be on this list, but at a time was a big name. Might have even had a, had a shoe, I think. How about Steve Francis? Oh, it's a great pick. Steve Francis was nice, dude. 
Kids will never know how nice Steve Francis was. Another Maryland guy, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. He, he was like just the sum. He was like the B plus version of Tracy McGrady. Yeah, and he was so much cooler than um, than like Jay Williams at Duke. Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting. I think the early 2000s Maryland Duke is is what I'm thinking about here. Oh, those. I mean, those are some knockdown dragouts. And they also produced Jawan Howard. Who yeah, been uh, on this list. Who all was on that? I'm Lonnie Baxter, Steve Blake. Yeah, Duke had um. Duhon, Jason Williams, Jay Chris Williams. Duhon, uh, Shane uh, Battier. Who was the white guy? Duke has to have a white big man. Uh, they actually didn't. Um, wow. They had, it, well, I mean, Battier was um, – He's careful. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, I, I believe he's biracial, I think. And he's from Alaska, so. Wow. I think. <laughs> okay, I won't fact check you. Nobody found this entertaining but us. I fucking love this kind of stuff, man. Um, all right, Mikey. Let's call it a night. Let's call it a week. We will uh, see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. 156 next week. Until then, stay safe. Wash your hands. You have filthy animals. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, 
SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282.